0: This is the Financial Nuggets podcast with me, Michael Palmer. So this is part two of a discussion on the art of spending money. We talked through the first three nuggets last time, and we're going to finish it today. So if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, stop here and go listen to it. It's important to understand the context of everything we're discussing. So like I said, uh, we did the first three last time. Today, we're going to go through four through 11 Uh, Again, these are in no particular order, but we're just simply talking about the different things people think about either subconsciously or consciously when they spend money. So again, just to recap the first three really quick. So the first one, we talked about the joy of spending can diminish. So as your income rises, there's less struggle and stress and sacrifice represented in your purchases. Um, we also talked about being entrapped by spendings. So if we get too many homes, for example, that ends up entrapping us because we have to spend a certain amount of money to take care of these things. Um, And then the last one that we talked about last time was just your family background and past experiences and how much that heavily influences your spending experiences. The simple example I gave for my own life was just, I never was able to get appetizers growing up at restaurants. And so now I love getting appetizers, but that affects the way that I operate or affects the way that I spend money. So the fourth one that we'll talk about again, these are in no no particular order Um, It's just about frugality and how it can become an addiction. So I think what many people want to have is is just to have enough money so that they don't have to think about money. One of the bigger challenges that I have sometimes for clients in retirement is to get my clients to actually spend their money because they are so frugal or they are so scared. Refusing to recognize that you are meeting your goals or have met your goals can be just as damaging as not reaching them to begin with. So when you're saving the right amount of money, go spend. If you're in retirement and you're good to go, we run all sorts of calculators and analysis, like go enjoy all the hard work that you've put into it. Don't become addicted to frugality. The fifth one that we'll talk through is just the emotional attachment to large purchases. So I try my hardest to make as many unemotional financial decisions and financial purchases as possible, but I'm not perfect on this and nobody is. So I tend to think about my parents' house. They lived in the same spot for over 30 years. They watched their three kids grow up there. Everything they ever did as a family or everything we ever did as a family is at that house. And my mom really struggled to leave that behind after my dad had passed away. Think of all of the emotion attached to this. Or think of it this way. How much are your memories worth with your kids? That's a pretty hard question to give me an answer to, right? But if I asked you, how much is the house worth where you achieved many of your memories with your kids? That question you can give me an answer to. So the ease of which you put a dollar amount explains a lot of spending decisions and how we think. And some large purchases make us more emotional than others. And how we frame questions or how we think about things in our head also changes the emotion and the price. So number six, the underappreciation of long-term costs of purchases with too much emphasis on the initial sales price. Now, now that's a mouthful. Here's what I mean. Making up an example here, but someone who bought their house in 1963 for $60,000 and now it's worth $350,000. The owner feels like they made the best investment of their lifetime. But what's the actual investment? It's about 4.5% on average. Property taxes tend to average about 1%. So that brings our real rate of return to, you know, call it 3.5%. Maintenance and repairs, which is another 1% to 3% per year on your home's upkeep. This varies wildly, but that's kind of the expectation. So where does that leave us on return? And we're not even counting inflation. So the price is pretty easy to figure out, but costs are harder to figure out because there are slow drip over time that are easy to ignore over time. Cars would be in the same category. Smoking cigarettes would be another good example, right? We don't think about the long-term as much because there's a cost over time. The cost might end up being financial because of healthcare costs, but we're pretty confident there's going to be a cost to your well-being regardless of the finances, all because we ignore the long-term costs. So the seventh is social aspiration spending, right? That kind of uh almost sounds fancier. I'm starting to use big words here. Um, but have you ever heard of trickle-down economics? Well, you know, trickle down behavioral spending is a real thing, especially in 2023. If you want to know what lower income money people will eventually spend their money on, look at how rich people spend their money today. Think of European vacations, college education, investing. I mean, back in the day, only the very wealthy owned stocks, now over half do, whether it's in their 401k or their do-it-yourself account somewhere, you know, it's granite countertops, it's six burner stoves. These things have become cheaper because the demand grew. So it forces companies to find ways to get cheaper and allow for it for more people. And the rise of social media has really pushed this phenomenon. People post all over their accounts, and as others see this, it gets in their head that they also need to be spending money on vacations, renovations, or whatever it may be. So slowly, that behavioral spending trickles down to everybody. Number eight, people think that they haven't tried new or strange forms of spending, right? Or they haven't tried enough new and strange forms of spending. It's probably a better way to think about it. And this is a perfect one right after the social aspiration spending. Most people have no idea what kind of spending will make them happy. And everyone is different, but we mostly listen to society tell us how to spend our money. We think about the most expensive thing we can buy and we do that. You have to try spending money on many different things before you figure it out, right? Some people love traveling. Some people love nice restaurants. Some people think that's crazy and they just want Domino's pizza and Coke. Some people love first-class tickets. Others are fine flying on discount airlines. Try different things and figure out what fits your personality. For some reason, God tends to make us attracted to our opposites. So it's always interesting to see what your spouse enjoys spending money on too. I'd be interested to hear how many capital couples this matches up with. Um, fortunately, Nikki and I were, we're actually pretty close on, on most of these things, but it is interesting. So number nine, uh, the social signaling aspect of money. I heard a saying recently that I really liked it. It just says that if you get public recognition for donating money, that's not charity, that's philanthropy. If you demand recognition for your donation, that's a business deal. And I really don't mean this negatively because as a board member of a nonprofit, we need all of those different types of givings. And there's, there's reasons for all of them. And we're appreciative of charity, philanthropy, and business deals. Doesn't matter which one. But how many decisions are made because we think about how others are going to view us? It might make for a great Instagram post, but people don't really communicate on social media. They're mostly just performing for each other. So whose opinion are you trying to influence and why? And maybe the even more important question is, are those people even paying attention to you? So number 10, the second to last one. So the social hierarchy of spending positioning you against your peers. And here's what I mean. I I like using my kids as an example because they're just so innocent in the way that they think. But my kids love ice cream. And we have an ice cream truck that comes through our neighborhood almost every Friday. The music starts and kids come out of every nook and cranny in our neighborhood to the, um, to the sidewalk and they line up for the ice cream. And whenever they get ice cream, they can't help it. But they always pay attention to what their friends got. They sit there and they stare at their friend's ice cream, even as they're eating their own and they'll wish that they got something different. It completely destroys the joy of their ice cream. And this is such a perfect metaphor for most of us. The spending that we do is a need to pass someone else. Is your house bigger than the other guys? Is your car nicer? Which country club are you a member of? And this also applies to you individually, meaning just comparing yourself to your old self could be five minutes ago or five years ago. Is your vacation this year better than the one last year? Is your new house better than your old house? What about your car? And not just trying to match your peer, but you're trying to one-up yourself. And it can be a dangerous trap if you don't recognize this game. And it's one that's been going on for as long as man has existed. So our last one, as we wrap all this up, spending can be a reflection of how hard you worked or how much stress went into earning your paycheck. And there are certain people that I know that get annual bonuses. They wait for that bonus, and when they get it, they spend it. And many times, they spend it before they get it. Or sometimes people just take a big, a a really big annual vacation and they go all out, which justifies all of the stress that they've had for the previous year. They want to show their family and everyone else that it's all worth it. And the opposite can be true too, but I think that the most patient people with their money are people that enjoy their jobs. All right. So in closing, remember that story about Jack Welch from the beginning of the last episode? He had the heart attack and he was mad that he didn't spend enough money and he talked about the cheap wine. Well, after Jack recovered from his heart attack, he never bought cheap wine again. It changed the way he thought. So my hope for today and and last week is that you start recognizing some of the ways you think, and maybe you need to change some things before you have a life-altering event like a heart attack. Just to reiterate, spending money is not a bad thing you work hard. You should spend money and enjoy it. I just want you to be aware of some of the reasons why you spend it and also be aware of some of the pitfalls you can fall into easily. It's always interesting to me to see how some people spend too much money and other people spend too little, like Jack Welch and the cheap wine. But just work to be self-aware and make sure you have a spending plan as much as you have a savings plan, investing plan, giving plan. And I think on one final note to think about, Spending money to make you happy is hard to do if you're already happy. So that's all for today. I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Now for the compliance piece, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Pass, OSJ 520, OSJ 5280, Carroll Canyon Road, Suite 300, San Diego, California, 92121-619-684-6400. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PASS member FINRA, CIPIC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York, PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Westpac Wealth Partners LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. Insurance products offered through Westpac Wealth Partners and Insurance Services, LLC, a DBA of Westpac Wealth Partners, LLC, California Insurance License 0L, California Insurance License Number 0L49687, This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Pass Guardian or Westpac Wealth, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investment and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. 2023-157-157, expiration 625, Georgia Independent Operators Association and GIO. Georgia Independent Operators Association, GIOA is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Pass or Guardian.